Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are excited to have Vanessa Landau, who is the co-founder and CEO at Lova by VL Jewelry on our podcast today. We met Vanessa through Clemence von Muffling, who has been on our podcast and YouTube channel. So we will put a link to that episode in the show notes. And before launching Loba, Vanessa worked in marketing at Guerlain and Dior. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Alison and Delia. <laughs> well, Vanessa, my fabulous, our fabulous French friend, do you want to walk <laughs> us through your career path? Sure. So, you know, I'm... I started my, my career in France, but I only worked in all my life, only one year in France, my first year in advertising. And very quickly, I wanted to move to New York. Mm -hmm. So I came a few days with my girlfriend for three days to New York for a long weekend. And luckily enough, I met who would have, who became my future husband. <laughs> and three months after I moved to New York, found a job. And my first job uh, in New York was working for Diane von Furstenberg oh. um, in developing and launching uh, her cosmetic line with Interperfume. Oh. So this was a crazy adventure because she has this amazing personality. She was very much hands-on. And I learned firsthand um, how it was to launch such a line in the American distribution. So I was dealing directly. Um, I was at the time 25 with uh, Sachs, Neiman Marcus, uh, Henry Bender at the time, Sephora, Harvey Nix and Arrod in London, Lane Crawford in Hong Kong. So it was, and traveling all over with Diane. Wow. So it, it really gave me, because the company was small enough, uh, a lot of exposure um, from the get-go. And I would say that this is where I learned truly everything with a challenge, because it had a lot of challenges, um, in the cosmetic world. And then three years after, three years and a half after, uh, I was contacted by LVMH um, to join uh, Guerlain, which was a brand that I adored because I grew up with it in France. Uh, my mother used to wear Shalima, Terracotta, mm -hmm. um, you know, bronzing powder was almost like a, um, a common name that you would use for any bronzer. So it was really those icon products mm -hmm. um, that were quite difficult to understand for U.S. customers because they were very French. Mm -hmm. um, so the whole idea was to really market them and bring awareness to, to Guerlain in the U.S., um, um, which I did for, for 10 years. Wow. And, um, and so I did almost like everything that was possible at the brand. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I felt my, my, I had never, um, I never took a break in, in my career. And my kids at that stage were three and five. Mm -hmm. And they were entering in a new school in the French Lycée in New York. And I was not too sure at the time, you know, it was a big change. And I wanted to, I felt that this was the moment where I wanted to take a break and be with them. Mm -hmm. So I took a one-year break um, when they were three and five. And after a year, just when I started to kind of, they were settled, I was happy and they, I was ready to, to go back. I was contacted again by the group and I joined um, Dior this time as a, a marketing director for the U.S. for skincare. Uh, wow. So still on the beauty side. Um, and then just uh, a little more than a year ago, um, 
I decided to launch with a very close friend, Laura. Lova, my brand, Lova by DL, so the earrings. Um, she's no longer involved in the business, but she will always have a very special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she gave me the, the courage because it was, it's very difficult when you've worked all your life in this corporate life mm-hmm. and, and done, you know, all those decks, those three-year plan. You almost know too much and you almost, you know, lost, lost that naivete that will enable you, you know, to not have so much fear. Mm-hmm. And you almost think too much of all the reason why it wouldn't work. Sure. And uh, having her there, uh, really gave me the courage and almost made all the, this fear disappear. That makes a lot of sense. Did you always want to start a company? I am. Um, I always wanted. Like I even when I was young, I never even thought that I would work in a company. You know, in I come from a family of entrepreneurs and family businesses through several generations. No one, I, I don't, I can't think of one person in my family who works for a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I always thought as a kid that I would have my own company. But then um, I did a business school in France and with all, and at the end, I, I had those opportunities to join, you know, some of the exceptional French maisons. Right. Uh, and I was, Tempted. I was like, why not? And this is how, you know, everything happened. Um, I wanted to discover, you know, those, those brands that, was, that were stepping so much history, savoir-faire and beauty. And I always thought, you know, I'll do it for a few years and then, you know, I'll do my company. But one thing and another, you get into that, that spiral. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes things take a little longer than you planned. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I say to myself. <laughs> That's a good thing to say to yourself. So when you were at Dior and Guerlain, talk to us about what led to starting Lova. What, why statement, fabulous statement earrings that we are obsessed with. Like, uh, you're, you're too kind, but it's almost like, um, it's almost like the whole, all my struggle and my mess in trying to handle everything, you know, that intense work, mm-hmm. my kids being stylish, you know, uh, led me, led me to being up very late hours at night to try to, to handle all of that. And, and, and my idea, I really wanted to try to be a service to others mm. um, and help them, you know, based on what I was going through to find an easy solution um, that can, that could, you know, help them solve a lot of that. So um, basically what, what happened, you know, is that uh, I was working in this LVMH tower, which is on 57th street where you have on every floor, a different brand of the group. So you have mm. your fashion, your beauty, Fendi, Serene at the time, Pucci, mm-hmm. you have all those brands. So basically, you know, there's a lot, the elevators in the towers are quite famous because you have all those mix of corporate people that, that meet, everyone is in the, those elevators. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened is that, you know, every day in work, at work, I would be asked, oh, where did you get this thing? Where did you get that dress? Where did you get those earrings, those shoes? And I dressed started to realize, you know, I was, I was looking, I needed something that was, you know, convenient for me when I was dropping off my kids at school in the morning before going to work. Mm-hmm. Then I could go into a very important meeting or go directly to a cocktail at night, a dinner. So it had to be this look that could 
you know, do it all. Right. Um, and, and basically people started to, to ask me, you know, oh, uh, can you help me? I have this event or I have this. Can you help me find something? I know, you, you know, just, you know, each time I, I buy something that you had, I get so many compliments and things like that. <laughs> and then, you know, what really pushed me uh, were my friends who were telling me, Vanessa, when are you doing it? Do it, do it, do it. So it <laughs> was really, <laughs> it was really them. Um, and you know, not having the fear. You no, know, I, I told them, you know, I don't know if I can do this. And but having all their support was was incredible and helped me a lot. Um, and um, the idea with the earrings was that you know I was also looking a lot at at the fashion world, what was happening with fast fashion, and when you are in this corporate world or in any type of social life you I felt it that I had the need to have different outfits all the time Um, and I couldn't wear twice something if I had already seen that person so that feeling you know leads you to to fast fashion at one point Um, and it was what I wanted to try to avoid um, and to to think about how could you have still even the pleasure for yourself you know to to wear the same top, the same dress, but twist it uh, right. with something that would make it different. So um, I started, I've always been uh, a big, I always wear big earrings mm-hmm. and I wanted to develop some that were statement, but light enough that you wouldn't feel at all. You would even forget mm-hmm. um, that you would be wearing them and that could create any look. You can wear them with a simple t-shirt and a jean, a, a, a black dress, you wear those on, it's a total different look. Any top, it, it works with everything. Uh, even even um, a printed dress with ruffle, with flowers, you add mm-hmm. this and then you have an incredible look. So basically, I, I started to, to, to develop this with an artisan that I met uh, in Italy, in Sicily. Um, and uh, and we, we developed this whole line of, uh, of uh, handcrafted jewelries. Oh my goodness. Well, it is incredible how light they are and the craftsmanship, everything that you're saying, you really accomplished. You really have. And I'm wearing them right now and I just, no one can believe it. I still, you know, I just don't understand how it can be so light. I really don't. It's, it's just crazy, but they are super light and you really don't remember you have them on until someone stops you and says, tell me about those earrings. I love them. Exactly. And the, the, you know, everything to, to achieve that. And, you know, we've tried to find ways to try to be able to, you know, have even bigger production and things, but in fact, to achieve this lightness. Right. Only can do it by having the the brass hand cut, hammered, and shaped by hand. Mm. If not, any machine would do it much thicker. So you Ah. cannot have that fine and delicate work done by a machine. It's um, Mm -hmm. you 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 won't get that effect. And all so all the material used, you know, to get the lightness. The main part of the earring is brass. The tip that goes in the ear, in the ear inside, mm-hmm. is fourteen carat gold for the gold one, or silver sterling for the silver one. So mm-hmm. completely hypoallergenic. You won't get an allergy. And the the pearls on the earrings that have pearl are natural river pearl. And what is very interesting is that they need, because they are natural, they need light. 
So for example, if you were to forget them and leave them in a drawer for one year mm-hmm. and not and, and they wouldn't see any light, the mm-hmm. pearl will turn brown because they're natural pearl and they need light. So it's quite interesting. That's very interesting. And it's just so interesting that, you know, traditionally when you think about holding pearls in your hand, they're not light. So that's why just this whole thing is remarkable. It really is. But I love the fact that they're handmade and hand hammered and all of that. I mean, that makes sense. It takes two hours to handcraft a pair of Lova earrings by by our artisans. Wow. Mm. Wow. Especially just for you. That's (laughs) That's exactly right. How did you, with all of that, you know, because that is costly you know to make it by hand it takes as much time to use the natural pearls and and the 14k and the sterling silver and everything how how did you come about uh choosing your price point so it was quite simple in a way it was really based on the material use and the hours of craftsmanship mm-hmm. um, and also because they're handmade in italy the cost of those earrings are is quite high and shocking. Um, and this is why in even, you know, in all the choice of my distribution, it hasn't been rolled out in major, you know, major distribution. Um, every every point of sale is really chosen very, very carefully uh, for the image, uh, for what they will bring to Lova. And we are not in a perspective where we feel, you know, it's really a brand awareness um, idea here when we sell to retailers. If not, we yeah. sell directly to try to have a cost that is not too expensive for the customer, knowing that we have a high cost of good. Right. And, and also, to me, the price point that you chose is perfect because it is, it makes it a special earring. I don't think in any way it's, expensive for what you're getting. I mean, I think you're getting, uh, you know, I think it's an amazing price point for what you're, for what you are giving. A handmade oh. earring that's super light that is made in, from Craftsman in Italy. I mean, it's really a remarkable price point. And I think that's something interesting to, for the people that are listening that are, you know, wanting to start brands and everything. It is important to think about you know, the stores that you choose that are going to be telling the story of your brand, do they even match up with your story? Be careful, you know, where you put your babies. Exactly. And I would, you know, I would think that, you know, maybe one of my challenge, you know, is has been that my, my cost, because it is handmade in Italy and all of that, is high and maybe if I had had you know not the quality of earring uh, a lesser cost I would have been tempted and maybe naturally you know to be able to ship out a bunch of earrings to many many stores uh, but because they are precious uh, it it enables me to really um, hold a tight distribution for them absolutely they are precious I'm glad you didn't make a million of them and ship them out. I can't, I can't because they, it just like, I, you know, it just like a special know-how even to do them. So we have right. a limited amount of artisans. So it is not really, um, so the quantity produced week, they are produced weekly every day, mm-hmm. uh, but they are, they are limited in, in that sense. And talking about the price point, you know, because, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, everything came from, 
a need that I had originally. You know, I wanted this price point to be something that was, you know, a, a beautiful pair of earrings and that you would buy, but that could, where it wouldn't be too difficult for women to 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 be able to buy them. And once they will, you know, try one pair, usually what happens, our customer ends up, they buy one first and then they buy three to five earrings just because they can't wear anything else because they're so light. Right. So it's and it's, a, and it's a, a great price point also for a gift to a girlfriend. Yes, I think it's great. And I also think that because you're a woman and you wear them, you really understand that. Because one of the things that Delia taught me when she was on the jewelry buying team at Barney's when she was just starting out and her boss taught her that, you know, don't choose things just because they're beautiful. You have to make sure and try them on. If they're too heavy, people aren't going to buy them. Um, you know, and things like that. So especially the statement earrings, you know, it's really a commitment to put on um, a clip earring when you know halfway through the night, you know, it's definitely not something you would wear, put on in the morning and know you're gonna, you know, wear all the way until bedtime, basically. But with these earrings, you know, you can do everything but sleep in them. Exactly. And how did you learn to start, run and grow a business? Was this from your family? Not really. You know, the, 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 weird, the weird thing is that it is almost, I did so many business plans in my life for Dior and Guerlain. Okay. My, my life was to do business plan all the time for top management, for Bernard Arnault, etc. So it is almost, weirdly enough, I, I can do them in my sleep, but for Lova, I didn't want to do any business plan. I wanted to do almost the reverse. So it, it can appear strange, but what what we did, and thanks to the advice of um, a lot of people who were working with us on the con- on the concept, was to test it first. So before, because sometimes you know, as I mentioned, people were asking me and things, but how can you be really sure that people will go and buy it and buy it? So what we did, we put together a very quick event. Um, it was just in June of uh, 2019. And um, and we kind of um, invited all of our friends for one day. So it happened June 16. Everyone was leaving for the holiday, either in Europe or the Hamptons. And the team was, what should you put in your summer suitcase? What is in our summer suitcase? From Vanessa and Laura, my mm-hmm. partner. And, and basically, we had different you know, key items that were adored. And we did a test run, a small run of the Rova earrings. Um, what happened, interestingly enough, that small run from Italy never uh, arrived on time for that day of the event. Oh, so, no. we had, so, so we were tracking them like crazy. I had a few of them. You know, I had maybe four that, that I had, but we didn't have enough. And so last minute, two hours before the event, I see that I'm tracking FedEx that they're not here. <laughs> and everyone, I had like 50 people coming throughout the day. And I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And I had, you know, quite ugly pictures coming from the atelier. You know, they were not professional pictures at all. Mm-hmm. And I had no other choice. So I printed them on a type of PowerPoint, but nothing compared to what I can usually do. You know, it was really like survival instinct. Right. And I had that, that from that piece of paper, 
um, offense went crazy, and we we couldn't believe it. We sold in one day forty pair of of um, Lova earrings from <laughs> from a, a piece of paper, and I had a few on display that they could that they right. could try on. So this was, you know, um, right. uh, really a good test. And what happened after that is really truly a snowball effect. So what I can say is test it first because you can do all the decks of the world, all the business plan, all the PowerPoint until you test it, even with your network or but a good amount, you know, a good right. amount of people. You're never really sure. And what happened is that after that, because they are, you know, you notice them. When you wear that, no matter, you know, even if you're a very shy person, you will have an aura, you will get noticed. So then one of the girls went to have dinner with a friend and that friend was the owner and was opening the Bagatelle Beach and Lulu Beach uh, shop that summer in Saint-Tropez. And she was like, oh, can I, I need those earrings in my store. Uh, can I place an order um, mm-hmm. tomorrow? And this is when we, we got our first order, but we were at the time, because we were in the test moment, we're not even set up. Like we, we barely had the logo. We were, we were not even ready for that. So, and, and we didn't even know, you know, if, if the artisan would set up enough, you know, to produce all of that order. Wow. So of course we couldn't say no. We're like, you know, it's, uh, it's Saint-Tropez, the two weeks after we did this test, right. we have to we have to find a way to, to make it happen. And so we're able to, to do that. So that was the, the first thing. And then in September, we, we shot the whole campaign in New York with a Parisian photographer who came to, to do this whole series. And after that, we had planned to launch the official website of Rova in December. Um, so from September to December, once we had our pictures, we had enough time to develop the brand identity, all the text, all the product description, take care of the production um, in Italy, the packaging and all of that. And you know, as I mentioned, everything happened without planning it. Of course, we didn't have a PR team at the time or any of that. We were not even thinking of it yet. Um, and, and we were doing Fashion Week at a party with Laura. And a, a stylist approached us saying, oh, I love your earrings. I saw another girl with them. And it was, of course, me and Laura. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and then um, uh, she, she tells me, you know, I'm, I'm, shooting, uh, I'm, sh- I'm shooting Sharon Stone for Harper's Bazaar. Can I have them tomorrow for the for the photo shoot? And at first, I think it's a joke. Honestly, I, I, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not taking that completely. I'm like, is she? Um, and and that happened. So after that, a few days after we met, and she shot Sharon Stone in Harper's Bazaar wearing the Chanel suit, Gucci uh, platform, and Lova earrings. So this oh. was quite incredible. And you know, at this stage, we were so so happy, but also we we, were, we didn't you know want to bother her too much. And at one point, I tell Laura, you know, we should ask her when is Arthur's that Arthur's issue coming out because we need to make sure our website is ready. And we were October twenty, and we we had planned to launch our site in December because we couldn't be ready before. And we learned that the issue with Sharon Stone is is coming out November eleventh. 
so this is when we're like okay we cannot have that and no websites so we we were day and night there was no tomorrow and we launched on november 11 with <laughs> sharon stone as our first image wow um, and this is how everything happened so i would say you know I had the background, but none of, at first, everything happened a bit naturally without so much planning in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. That's good advice too. Don't spend so much time preparing and getting your plan so perfect before you try it out. Exactly. It's almost make it, make it, try it, and then make your plan of development. Right. How do you balance motherhood and running a business? You know, it has been, you know, this has been, you know, my my struggle a bit all my life. Um, and I always say, you know, the, the good thing is that when you're, when you're a woman, you always feel guilty. When you work, you feel guilty. When you don't work, you feel guilty as well. So no matter what. Um, but I would say that it forces you to be very organized in everything, you know. I'm a foodie. Um, I love to cook for my family and friends. But of course, when you work all day, it's quite difficult. So unless you have to be extremely organized, have menus done, order all your groceries. You know, I was ordering a lot of fresh direct, but I knew what I was going to kind of do. Um, and now I love I love Baldor. So really, my life is a lot of ordering online. Mm-hmm. And and I would say that before the pandemic, so when we had a normal social life, um, we had a rule. It was really two night two nights out maximum during the week, um, and the rest of the time was for our kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that now with the pandemic, it has become um, even more challenging to have a full you know, a full uh, house with the kids doing Zoom at home, having lunch at home, my husband working from home. Yeah. Um, so I have to say this new format is a, a comp- really a different challenge. Yeah. Um, it feels that you do not have one minute for yourself, right. um, which makes it uh, very challenging for any woman who is either running a business or working in any businesses. And um, I'm, um, I'm more of a, of a night hawk. So um, oh, my only solution, I had to do a lot of things at night when everyone was asleep. Or, and I have you know, other women who do all of those things very early in the morning. So depending right. on what works for, for you the best. Mm-hmm. If it has to be the end of the day or the beginning of the day, just to exactly. get a little time for yourself. Exactly. What knowledge and experience from your career have you applied to your brand? You know, what, what I was doing every day, no matter what, at Guerlain um, or Dior, was presenting or adapting the brand to the U.S. market. So a lot of my role was storytelling uh, of French brands and, um, and product for the U.S. market. Um, which I had to use really um, every day. And Mm -hmm. I use this a lot in the messaging of Rova. But I have to say, using all the freedom that I did not have, of course, because those brands are stepping 
mm. too much history and the founder is no longer part of the brand. So you do not have the freedom mm -hmm. to speak directly mm -hmm. um, uh, about, you know, you, 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 can't, you cannot have that direct language. So it's, it is almost that the reverse, the frustration that I could have on social media with brands such as your and and Guerin, and I do not blame them at all. It is just there's no, sure, sure. It, it is there's no other way around. Right. Having having a small brand and being the founder behind it enables you to speak directly, uh, a very direct language um, to your followers. That's so true. That's so true. And you have a lot more creative freedom. Of course, you're the vision. You have the vision for the brand anyway. But when you were working with Dior or Guerlain, you couldn't, you, you had to go by those guidelines. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, the headquarters were in France, who were mm -hmm. the American market, a very important market. Mm -hmm. But so th these were exactly the challenge, you know, satisfy the French, mm -hmm. but make it work for the Americans. Mm. Fascinating. So hard. I know when I interned at Versace, headquarters were in Italy. So it's a lot of, you don't have as much autonomy and there's just a lot that goes into that, different cultures. Mm -hmm. So what was it like working with Bernard Arnault at LVMH? It was a lot of, a lot of pressure. Um, I would say that different thing. The truth is that when I was at Guerlain, Bernard Arnault wasn't so involved. Mm -hmm. uh, but Dior, as everyone knows, is his baby. Right. Because the group, you know, it was the first brand he owned. So he's obsessed, obsessed by Dior. So <laughs> with that comes a lot of, of pressure. Mm -hmm. He He's a, a man of not so many words. What counts the most for him, um, unless a lot of corporate people when he comes to New York or any country or even in Paris, it can be freezing, raining, snowing. He's like, okay, do your presentation quick. I'm going to the stores. And he will go to all the stores, speak uh, to all the beauty advisors, be so interested in them, shake their hand. So what, what counts for him is what is happening, what the customer is seeing, and the experience with his brands in store. Well, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, that 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 is what makes him such an incredible that's man right. and that's the success right. of his brand because the experience is extraordinary. So he's a true genius and someone who is extremely hands-on on Dior, mm -hmm. um, which can be surprising knowing the size of the group and yeah. his businesses. And I'm sure, I wouldn't say difficult working with him, but you really have to be on your toes because he expects perfection, I would think, probably and excellence all the time. Exactly. So it ha it is perfection. Those presentation and things take hours of work, review. Like you cannot even imagine that there would be the tiniest mistake. And you have to prepare to be ready for all the questions he will ask you. Mm -hmm. uh, so to think in advance of every little thing that he might bounce on and might ask you about. Gosh. And he wants it very quickly presented. Very, very quickly. Don't, <laughs> even, don't even think that you cannot answer a question that Bernard Arnault would have for you. You are dead. That's the end of it. Whoa. <laughs> That's so interesting. 
That's so interesting. All right. What are some differences in working for French and American companies? Well, I would say, you know, I really learned that um, in our forecasting process, when we're forecasting product launches, Mm -hmm. um, the French always need to look back in history. So when you forget forecast a product, you would be launching a new mascara. They will go back in history and tell you, yeah, but two years ago, you launched this mascara in the US and you did so-and-so. So I think your forecast is too optimistic, etc. Mm-hmm. So the French look back to history to, to forecast the future. Mm-hmm. Whereas American, on, on, I cannot say only, but are very... Uh, focus towards the future. And what happened in the past is the past, but the new product is a new product. So of course, they will look at it as a bench for sure, but they won't hold to it. They're like, okay, this is, yes, this was history, but this is a completely new product. So mm-hmm. it has no, it doesn't matter if I'm thinking that this product will do double. So mm-hmm. this is the main, main difference. Um, French people need a lot of background, a lot of history. Um, American are more positive and seeing what's next. Interesting. That, that is so interesting. And and often the French were very, very shocked by the American forecast, saying, saying but this is way too optimistic. How yeah. can you forecast that many quantities based on what you did one year ago or based on that and that and that? And then who usually, like, were the French right, right or correct to be wary or were... They uh, surprised happily by the Americans saying, this is the way we're going to do it. I think it's a good balance. I think it's a, it was a balance of both. I think having the French challenge uh-huh. were needed because sometimes it, sometimes it can be a little bit too optimistic mm-hmm. and, and forced, forced some justification based on, the, based on the reaction of our retailers over Sephora, over Saks, on the product that was presented. So we had to justify and to really explain why this forecast, of course, and based on those means that we we're going to put you know, behind and based on what we were able to secure in advance would enable us to do this number. But in the end, they will most of the time reduce a little bit the American forecast, um, which will end up being kind of a good balance between, between both. So I will say that you, this challenge is interesting. If we had done directly with the French, what the French had thought the American would forecast, it would have been too low. The American forecast sometimes can be a bit too optimistic. So having kind of this balance is yeah. good and it's almost like a middle point. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a nice collaboration. Exactly. But that that didn't come with some tension, you know. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet a lot of tension. It was kind of then. Then you are the American again. But don't you think your forecast is completely And in the end, you know, it's funny. Although I had this French accent, you know, they considered me the American. So it's oh, how funny. funny. That's funny, and that's sort of the way they're, you're talking about it in their business life reminds me of just sort of the personalities, you know, like the, the not the stereotype, but, uh, you know, I can see Parisians being more sort of, you know, worldly and calm and, and not so overly optimistic about everything. 
Absolutely. And just ready to jump like Americans are, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. so interesting. That's true in life, right? And we always joke, even it's true in the French education. And this is why it changes. You know, my kids always joke, like their French teacher here in New York would say, c'est pas mal, which means quite good, you know. And if you have a c'est pas mal in French, it means it is a very good grade. And that same grade with the American teacher is a great job. So just in the way they speak, Right. They will. They cannot say great job. They will say not too bad. You know, it's more there. Pamal. So it's that kind of there. Exactly. So say Pamal is like that. Really translates as not too bad, right? Not exactly. not so bad, right? Instead exactly. of saying brilliant, bravo, fabulous. Exactly. They will never <laughs> say that. They will never. Even if you have a request, they cannot right. say fabulous. Right. <laughs> not, everyone gets a trophy. That's what right. Exactly. Exactly. Right, right. There could be no losers. Okay, besides creating the most fabulous product and doing all of that work on the front end that just kind of this leads to this inherently, do you have any growth or marketing tricks? Hmm. Growth tricks, yes. I would say that I had that that really quote, you know, from Pamela Baxter, who used to be the head of uh, Dior Couture and Dior Beauty and all the LVMH brand beauty. And early on, she said something that stayed with me for years. Um, and this sentence is really, I think about it every day. When you have no more fear in your job, mm -hmm. it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. So basically what it means is that once you've been doing a job for years, mm -hmm. you know by heart, you know how to prepare that presentation, how to present it, the deck, you mm -hmm. did that launch, a similar launch a few years ago, you know to forecast the product. Once you, you are too at ease and you do not have those little butterflies saying, oh my God, mm -hmm. how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. It is time to move on. Mm -hmm. And it can appear strange. Of course, staying within an area that you kind of know, mm -hmm. but doing something different mm -hmm. will force you to, when you ask yourself, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. And I don't know yet, but I'm going to find a way. Mm -hmm. It is in this process, because you're not so sure, um, that you're going to, to really work hard, mm -hmm. find all the solutions possible, mm -hmm. look at, all the other elements, think creatively because you are not held mm -hmm. by what you've done in the past or the way you did it three years ago. You have kind of a naive state, you're a bit naive, which is mm -hmm. needed oh, to yeah. be uh, an entrepreneur. So basically, you need to look at it with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. And because you're not held by your past experience, this is how you will get new ideas and a new way to look at it. Really, really like that. I really do. You have to push yourself. You have to push yourself. And, you know, and today, even like when we, when we launched, we had a lot of different challenges and people told me, you know, but how are you going to do this? And, you know, my answer was like, no, I don't know, but it's when I don't know, I'm going to find out. And this is going to be the whole excitement of it. Right. And then when you figure it out and you actually do achieve it, then you feel very um, inspired to keep going and doing bigger and greater things. Exactly, exactly. Okay, how did you pivot during COVID? 
No, I, it, I thought about my messaging a lot during COVID. And at first, you know, should I keep over silent? Should, what should mm-hmm. I do? Mm-hmm. And I felt that I still wanted to speak to the Lova follower, mm-hmm. but not in a not in a way that would be pushing products mm-hmm. through that period. So it was more message that I that I needed myself, you know, that were optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And for example, I, I posted an image um of the Lova campaign, you know, of a woman behind a glass, a, behind a window. Mm-hmm. And and the message on Instagram was social distancing means that we can see that we can only see each other from behind glasses mm-hmm. and behind phone screen. So we need to make to make it count. Mm-hmm. Here is your reminder to call someone you love today. Oh. And basically and so basically it was all those message that I tried to really adapt. Mm-hmm. And of course, the earrings were part of it, but it was not about ordering mm-hmm. earrings on the website, but it was maintaining that that, that dialogue in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's interesting lovely. enough, you know, there were a day where it was obviously very quiet and then there was no real logic during that COVID. And then you had suddenly um, orders coming through, you know, directly individual customer ordering to the website Mm -hmm. and during that period it was only new customers um, that ordered discovering the brand to Instagram and a lot once they ordered once their first order those customers during this period reordered so there was a lot of of that new 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 customers discovering the brand and being very loyal, being repeat customers. Being repeat customer because there was also, you know, during that period, at one point, you know, women felt they might need a little something to uplift them. But exactly. course, you're you are feeling you're at home, you're not you're not using any of it. And a fashion piece you might feel, oh, might get, go out of style, you know, in a year. I'm not going to buy a dress to stay home. Mm-hmm. Whereas a pair of earrings like that will not will not get out of style at all. So it will right. be it will be you can buy it now, wear it if you're doing the Zoom call, seeing your family on screen. It's like putting on a, a lipstick. Right. Exactly. And and we've asked our community over and over again, you know, do you want to talk about mental health? Do you want to talk about fashion? You know, and every time whatever we ask them, every time it's fashion. And I think it's an escape. And you know, a beautiful an thing is an escape. Um, you know, and it, it brings a little beauty to your world when things are so bleak. Totally. Yeah, totally. Really, it's, it's a way to, to dream. And, yeah. and also, you know, it has a huge impact on the people around you in your, in your household. Right. Like, you know, I mean, like all of us, many days we're in leggings, but the day you do that little effort to yeah. even put a, a jean and a, and a sweater or mm-hmm. a white shirt and a pair of earrings, then suddenly... You know, it, it uplifts the, the whole mood in your house. Mm-hmm. It's definitely true. It is so true. And I can totally see how someone would get one pair and then immediately have to buy five. I mean, <laughs> they're just so fabulous. You have so many different, you have such a fabulous variety. So I can see how that is happening. What is a challenge that you have faced and how have you overcome it? 
so this is interesting. You know, I can, I had many, many, we had, you know, I, I still say we because we really launched the business together with Laura. Yes. Uh, many challenges. Uh, but one that I can think of is that, you know, I was obsessed, of course, by the packaging because it was my training all those years mm. at Dior, at Guerlain. It had to be presented in a fabulous way. Yes. And one of my frustrations, I ordered a lot online. But I was a bit challenged when I wanted to do to gift someone with a gift online because it would arrive home. I wouldn't have, you know, the, even a shopping bag to bring it. I would, how can I bring it in my hand? Like without a, so I really wanted Rova when it arrived home to be the same experience that you would have in a store and to have it, if it is a gift, its own little shopping bag so that you could bring it to the house of a friend for dinner or for a birthday. Mm-hmm. because I felt that I could never get that when I was ordering online. And at first, we thought a lot about the packaging. And of course, trained by everything I knew, I was like, okay, we have to try to find a fantastic box that you open in this way. But mm-hmm. of course, with a box, you need a lot of tissue paper so that the product doesn't move inside. The, the and, and then we discussed a lot, you know, with uh, the real women that were part of the of the Lova campaign, um, with our friends that were always, you know, that testing that testing feeling that was from the beginning of Lova, we kept testing all along, and not thinking we had all the answer, and telling them, you know, if if you were to order something online, what what would you want? And you know, and a lot of what came out was that they were very budget, although they loved the box, the tissue is that they couldn't stand it anymore because it ended up in the garbage five minutes after. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a major waste for the environment and all of that. So what we, this gave us the idea of instead, instead of developing that box, of developing beautiful pouches um, in limited edition fabric. So they change, they change all the time. You can collect them. And the, the pouches are all handmade uh, in New York, in the garment district, and lined um, with a silk fabric. And basically, we make them as little pouch with a string um, that fit. They fit the um, they fit the earrings. And of course, when you are and we made them exactly the size, the, the perfect size to fit an iPhone Max and. A lip gloss or lipstick. <laughs> so basically, when you, you when you're on vacation, um, our friends they send us picture and you see them on Rova. They travel with their earrings and then at night they use the pouch of their earrings to go out for dinner. They just have to they throw their their phone, credit card, and lip gloss and they are set. So um, cute. So so that was this whole idea, which is exciting. So it's a packaging that you use, that you collect, that you keep. Um, and that becomes your 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 little evening bag. Yeah, so, and great that enabled us, you know, to invest in that, the development. And at first, you know, when the first customer were coming even for trunk show, they were like, "You're kidding me! You're not giving me this as a gift with the earring." They couldn't believe it was the packaging of it. <laughs> um, and uh, and this. These are little things that it's a freedom that we had because we were quite small and that we could, you know, do all the things that would make us happy at first and to test, you know, the way what we would really dream of receiving. Um, and this is what you have today, those those pouches that are kind of um, unique in a way and really beautifully handmade. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Really pretty. I'm looking at mine right now. 
And now, how did you choose the beautiful blue colorway? Um, the blue, so so the blue, it was a lot of like the that escape of the of the turquoise of the sea, mm-hmm. um, and and all of that. So so the the pouch you have in your hand is one of them, uh, but then the the other pouch that I'm describing are a little bit different. They're mm-hmm. a different shape, and they look a little bit more like a, a true pouch that you can go out with. Oh my goodness. That's just such a cool idea. It's a great concept. Definitely. So always, I would say also as you're learning, you know, and I said, when it's really tough and you don't find a solution and we spend hours and days trying to develop this box, a lot of work went into it. Sometimes when you feel that for some reason it doesn't work, there's another solution somewhere that is not obvious, but there's nothing more powerful than than testing, talking to your entourage, and really seeing what what people want to hear, to to get. Yes, people that you trust and people that'll be honest with you, exactly, um, and are excited for you. I agree with that. What was it like growing up in Paris? You know, I realize this. I realize this now that I've been living in New York for eighteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really a beautiful life. Mm-hmm. surrounded by a lot of friends that you know since you were born um, and and receiving a lot of love from, I have a big family. Um, I was lucky enough to have my grandparents, uncle, aunts, cousin, and life was very easy. I never reali- realized it until I started to live uh, in New York with kids. Yes, the space. The space, uh, the space, the, the quality of everything, you know, going to buy your little fruits, uh, mm-hmm. your, your veggies mm-hmm. at those little, you know, those little stores. Mm-hmm. You, you do not, in France, you do not really buy your fruits and veggies at the supermarket. You right. go to a special grocery store that right. only has fruits and veggies. Right. You go to, to buy your cheese at the cheese store. So all of that were yes. part of my whole life. I didn't know anything anything right. different right um, and now when i go to france you know, i can i can stare at it be there for hours oh, where so for beautiful. me it was just like all in in flower shops you know and mm. that was that was my my natural environment right right um, right we loved going to the markets in paris and you know getting things and making picnics with our cheese and our bread and exactly. our fruit our plums and Here's just everything. Oh, so fabulous. Such a wonderful, uh, I wish that could be replicated in the United States. <laughs> Maybe it will be more of a thing now that we're trying all to be sort of slow down a little bit and be more healthy. It's true. It's true. I have to say, I found amazing fruits and vegetables on this new Baldor online. They used to provide all the um, all the fruits, veggies, cheese, everything for restaurants, and they were not open to the public before COVID. Ah. But now, since a lot of restaurants, you know, we're not ordering anymore, mm-hmm. uh, anyone can order online, and the products are incredible, coming from a lot of farms around. And so and it has you- been it has been quite nice. How do you spell that? B A L D O R. Okay. Baldor. Wonderful. Are there any Parisian spots that we should know about? In Paris? <laughs> when we get to travel again. Uh, of course, of course. I have so many that I love. Um, and it's almost like when I'm back in Paris, I want to go to the tried and true. I yeah. like to test a new one, but 
I, I need to go to my tried and true that I adore. Um, and so I love Le Petit Lutetia. Um, it is a, a French bistro um, in Saint-Germain and really mm -hmm. amazing food and great crowd. It's a bit the place to, to be. Hard to get a reservation, but I adore it. Then I love Le Café des Deux Magots. Um, which is in Saint-Germain. And I find almost any excuse to go. Uh, breakfast, uh, that sometimes is where I stay until lunch, uh, to have a drink with a friend at the end of the day, you know, anything. And even if I'm alone, just buying a book at the library just next to the Demago, La Une, mm -hmm. or a magazine and being alone there mm -hmm. with a little tartine and reading my, my book, which is something that you can only do in Paris. I know once I admire someone next to me. Uh, it was a, a gentleman who was reading a book at the end of the day, a weekday. You know, he was in his 40s at the right. terrace of Le de Mago, and I was looking at it like if he was a nine, and I was like, when would you ever see that in New York? Yes, we love Demago too. Mm. So, Le de Mago. Then... people. Exactly, exactly. It's a good spot. Mm -hmm. I love Carette. Um, it's at the Trocadero. Um, and this is really in my neighborhood. So uh, a place where usually I meet up with my girlfriend when I've just arrived from New York to, to catch up with them. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we ate there. I think we ate there yeah. multiple mm -hmm. times. Yeah. Yeah. In March. I mean, though, right before COVID. Yeah. Ah. yeah. It's good, the little carrot. Mm -hmm. um, I love, of course, L'Avenue, which you, you, yes. you, you know, the classic hotel cost. Yeah. I love La Maison du Caviar, uh, mm -hmm. which is really a, a caviar house that doesn't have only caviar, of course. It has amazing smoked salmon. Um, and the, the, I used to go there with my grandparents, so it was uh, oh. all my childhood. And it ended up now being a kind of hip place. Yes. Uh, so where you have a lot of... Uh, and, and the waiter, Georges, is still there. And no. he used to be the waiter who Aww. served us when I was going with my grandparents as a kid. Oh. So it's quite incredible. I love that. I did not know that it was a, you know, an older restaurant, you know, a, a famous restaurant. I just thought, I thought it was something um, kind of new. So that's really cool. Love it. Is it the yes, same as Caviar Castilla? It's not the same. It's no. not the same. It's a different, it's a different house. Okay. Same premise, sort of. Same premise, same, same, you know, same, same type of menu, but mm -hmm. it's not the same company. Oh my I God. would say that, that Parisian, true Parisian, go more to La Maison du Caviar than Caviar Caspia. For some right. reason, Caviar Caspia is a little bit more of an international traveler. Parisian might go, but the, the Parisian hub for caviar or smoked salmon mm -hmm. is really mainly, um, I would say, more La, La Maison du Caviar. Right, right. Exactly. The um, other one's just having a moment. Right now. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I love. I love in in the summer. I love uh, going to have dinner at night at Lulu. It also belongs oh, to you too uh, at the Louvre. I adore it. Magical. It is. Um, I love the the for a special night l'atelier de Joël Robuchon, which is more modern gastronomy. So not too gastronomic, but just the best food on earth and eating mm. at the bar. Uh, and you see them prepare the food in front of you. That I love the one in Saint Germain. Mm -hmm. um, what is it? It is called l'atelier, like a, like an yeah. artist atelier, right? Of uh, of Joël Robuchon. They used to oh, have sure, sure, sure. 
Sure. Um, and but the original one is from from Paris. Mm. Right. From that finish. And so now they have one in Saint-Germain. Saint-Germain. In Saint-Germain. Yes, they okay. still have the one that is next to the Champs Elysees in the drugstore in the yeah. underneath. Mm-hmm. But I love the Saint-Germain one, which is a little bit more intimate um, and has windows. So it's more of my personal taste. I, I love the vibe mm-hmm. in Saint-Germain. Yeah. Um, and um, sometimes I have that craving when I'm in Paris of great Chinese food. And I like a, a Dieppe. It's always quite packed. Uh, but it's also an institution that has existed for years in, in Paris for Chinese food. And this is just mm-hmm. next to the Champs Elysees on Rue Pierre Charon. Uh, and of course, um, L'Entrecote in Paris, which is very mythique. Mm-hmm. Um, have, you, have you been? I feel like we did go, did you, L'Entrecote? I don't think so, but maybe. So L'Entrecote we did. If we didn't, it was on the list that we it's had to, you know, and we just didn't get to it. But I definitely am familiar with it. Yes, it's called also sometimes Le Relais de Venise. It has two names. And basically, you cannot book, so you go quite early. People wait in line. Right. And it is one menu. So you have, um, as an appetizer, a green salad with nuts and an amazing dressing. Mm-hmm. And then you have the ribeye steak with that special unique sauce that everyone is trying to, mm-hmm. to copy, but it's impossible to find the real recipe. Mm-hmm. And French fries. So there's one menu. Mm-hmm. And then you have an amazing uh, cheese platter, crazy dessert, mm. and people just wait in line for that amazing food. And isn't that what entrecote means? Like the yes. meat that special exactly. Yes, exactly. The thing I think that's so incredible is that in Paris versus America, the places that are the most tried and true and the most popular, the food is still delicious. Exactly. And, you know, all of that, it's been around forever. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, Parisians are too difficult. So (laughs) if it's not delicious, the place cannot Ah. cannot say. Parisians won't pay, won't won't pay like a meal just because the place is fashionable or it's a place to be. If the food is not good, that place won't last. It's impossible. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's the way it should be. That's exactly the it way it should logic. be. It seems logic, but it's not always the case. Right. Very much logical. All right. Now I can ask my question because we all want to know any tips for how to achieve the French girl's je sais quoi. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, it's always like, um, you know, and each time I think we all have that feeling when we're in Paris, you know, it's really right. this no big deal. Um, I just throw on a cashmere sweater and a pair of jeans. <laughs> um, and it's nothing. It's nothing. You know, it's right. really this, this kind of, you know, I woke up like this. I just put on my, my sweater. <laughs> Usually like a little great bra with lace, you know, that you can guess under. Right. Um, messy hair, you know, that I'm kind of plan on purpose. But right. if you have any makeup, it has to feel really very invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of this this look that you can sum up as I woke up like this. And right. everyone's like, oh, my God, I want this. Where did she get her sweater? Where did she get her jean? And um, so it's like kind of a a simple minimalist look, um, but that is always perfect. 
and that usually lasts uh, across the year. You know, they, they love to say that their carry bag is from their mom. And mm. So there's a, a lot of like vintage also feel that, that Persian love. Mm. Oh, yes. We did a whole YouTube video about shopping vintage in Paris because it is so fabulous. I love it. So, and a lot of times, though, when these women look like they just woke up like this, we know they... They they didn't. They didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But they know how to make it look like they did. (laughs) Exactly. I have to say they're very... And I'm amazed each time I go quite advanced in all the aesthetic, you know, procedure. Ah, mm. So they, do, they don't hesitate to do injection, Botox, and things, but, and I put a big but, it, in a very light way. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to, it is very microdose, and they're always, it cannot be too much. It cannot be, they will keep some wrinkles. They won't make it too thin. So there's always that obsession right. of, making sure it looks like you did nothing. Right. But right. they they take a lot care of themselves. They do facial hair every month. Mm-hmm. Um, they do injection if needed. So they are not. And also the cost of all of that in France is much less than what it is in New York. So it's something that you can do also much more often, I would say. Mm-hmm. I wonder why it's much less. I wonder. <laughs> I really Too wonder. Bad. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Vanessa, what are some differences in how French and American women live their lives? So many, so many. Uh, I would say they're almost completely opposite, you know, and it, it's funny uh, when you raise kids also here because, and when they're half American and French, half French, it's kind of this hybrid mix. Mm-hmm. American women really like everything to be scheduled. Mm. From a dinner date, you know, it's scheduled way in advance. There's less of a last minute play date where, with kids are very organized. Even the schedule of every, of the play date itself, what they are going to do uh, during the hour, everything is extremely planned. Whereas, you know, French women are a little bit more last minute, you know, last minute, oh, do you want to come for dinner? I'll stop by, you know, I'll stop by and get some cheese and wine. It's a little bit more spontaneous. And even, even pre-dates, you know, in France, you don't, you do not plan that term, even pre-date doesn't even exist. Mm. And it is almost like, okay, do your kids want to come and play home? And the, the kids will be playing in the room. The mom will be having a glass of wine. It's not like so organized, you know. Right. Here are the games, here's the puzzle, here are the Legos, and have fun. You know, it's not like... <laughs> <laughs> so everything is all less, less scheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, except, I would say, except for one thing, where they're the master at French, French women and men are obsessed by vacation. So they they, are, they schedule that very much in advance. They schedule all their vacation one year in advance mm-hmm. and are obsessed by that. And no matter, I would say, in all categories. So you do not have to be in the upper class. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes on vacation no matter what. In um, August? Quite <laughs> in August. Mm-hmm. And even throughout the year, I mean, they find a way mm-hmm. and they plan, they plan their vacation very seriously. So for that, um, I love them for that, though. Mm-hmm. So um, it just sounds like they're a little bit less uptight. Exactly. Right. And this is this appears in everything, you know, in their in their looks, mm-hmm. 
Right, right, right. Style. You know, they like the American woman, a uh, French woman, it might shock you, but wash their hair once a week or maybe twice, but okay. not every day. You know, that mm-hmm. that is very American. Um, so that that dirty hair look, you know, in the U.S. doesn't go. It appears like almost like a lazy, not dynamic enough look, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and whereas in France having your perfect blow dry and up down, you know, even if they get out from the hairdresser, they will on purpose try to mess it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you have, um, uh, you have that part also, but on the reverse, uh, they're more relaxed, but there are certain codes that they respect. For example, you know, even myself at first, now I do the same, but years ago I was surprised um, women in the U.S., you know, stay in their sport legging all day. I mean, I'm not talking about now during the pandemic, of course, but before that, um, in their sport legging all day, even if they are going to do some shopping at Chanel and, and Hermès or something like that. Whereas in France, that doesn't exist. You 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 use your sport legging to do your sport, and then you change. You wouldn't go at the mountain in your sport legging. It it you never it. see that. It doesn't exist. I love that you call it the sport legging. That's so magnificent because I get so tired of everybody being in their workout clothes. So I would sum it up that first, you know, American women like everything to be very scheduled, you know, including Mm -hmm. all their life, but even their love life has yeah. to be scheduled, you know, <laughs> they, 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 they're like, you know, I almost joke. Uh, I had the former boss who told me, oh, I'm turning 40 next month. And um, I don't, I didn't find my husband yet. I'm putting that on my agenda, you know? So it's almost like, uh, it's almost like, you know, that, that whole, everything is, is scheduled. It's less of improvisation. Um, and whereas French women, like a little bit more last minute, not knowing what life has planned for them. It's a bit of like the French romanticism. Mystery. Um, mystery. And, you know, whereas really the American women are powerful and want to handle their future the way they want and not leaving so much mystery, I would say. I feel like they, at least traditionally, they've taken more time. They've cared more about taking care of their skin yes. than American women. True. So traditionally, yes. Traditionally, yes. So they take, they do, you know, so many facial. They do a lot of facials because, as we mentioned, you know, they are they are not too expensive. They do injection if needed, but in a way which is very light. So you could never tell. Um, and they will on purpose keep a few fine lines so that it doesn't seem mm-hmm. obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and they maintain it in a very light way, whereas the trend in the U.S. is more to have a perfect, um, right. you know, skin without a fine line. So which right. makes it sometimes a little bit less, less natural. Right. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and so French women have, uh, take really amazing care of their skin, their body, and have a lot of the latest technique available coming from mm-hmm. France too, mm-hmm. uh, for them. And at the same time, which is kind of weird, they haven't changed their habits a lot in terms mm-hmm. of this. So, you know, in the summer, the French women love to to be in the sun, mm. so they will expose their face, even their face 
Mm-hmm. The sun, no hat, and this is something for that. You know, I became very American myself, and mm-hmm. I am, I am sometimes shocked. You know, and having right. that, that tan, sun-kissed look. You know, Sense from makeup right. in in the U.S. It's fine if you get it from makeup, but if it's really from the sun, it it doesn't look right. You know, and and this is something you you do not see a lot of really sun-tan people. Um, right. I would say in, in in the US, and and right. and they are right for that. You know, it's really right. Right. Uh, having having done my career in in beauty and skincare, we know that ninety percent of skin aging is the sun. Right. Uh, so it is today. You know, women should should wear hats and green SPF fifty. But in France, that they still love to. They they pleasure always goes first in France. So they love the feeling of sun. They will. You know, they will go in the sun and then do a few injections and fix it. So it's kind of that <laughs> that that, uh, that that mix of of things, right? And even even sometimes, you know, be topless at the beach, which can, oh, can right. su- surprise my kids when they go in Europe. You know, the summer they're like, oh, oh my yeah. god, why does this woman doesn't have a bathing suit? On? Right. Uh, so so they can right. be very very surprised. Um, so it's kind of, and still, this seems to be, you know, years ago. What? No, it's still happening. So they're all, um, in mm-hmm. in that sense, quite quite relaxed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in um, Cassis and that, and the, and like in Provence down. Yes, yes, I love and Cassis. Me too. And I watched this woman almost every day. She would she would be like in a a, t- a blouse and a skirt, and she was coming from her office. And she would go down to the little beach. She would take off the skirt and take off the shirt. And she would have like a bandeau one piece bathing suit on that she would roll all the way down to a bikini. Oh so she was topless. God. She would eat her lunch on the beach, topless, get her son, and then roll the bathing suit back up, put the clothes back on, and go back to work. Almost every day. You make day me dream. You make me dream right now. I know. How much fun <laughs> would that be? Oh. All the things we'll never do. Right, um, right, right, right. More time for that. But um, okay. So, what do you want someone to feel like when she is wearing Lova by BL earrings? Really, one thing: feel beautiful and have a special aura when they enter a room. So you do not have to be the most beautiful. Aura is, is a type of beauty, but it is really the energy uh, that comes out of your presence. So really wearing this earring um, is really to optimize confidence in women and bringing them that aura. Love that. So, you really can't help to have that when you're wearing an earring like this, though. And and you only have to experience it to really understand what what we are talking about. But mm-hmm. uh, but once you you start wearing them, you feel it. Right, you're just an ordinary person after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, talk to us more about the community of Lova and the aura that comes along with that. That comes from your about page. Um, yeah, so this is also, you know, as I mentioned, everything with, with Lova happened a bit naturally. And because we, we started this company, you know, quite quickly, we, we shot this campaign uh, in September. It was all shot by a fabulous photographer, Aurélien Caudal. He mm-hmm. does a lot of campaign for Roger Vivier, 
and different brands, but he was very seduced by the global earring thing. Okay. You know, for, for photographer, they are so photogenic on, right. a, on a page. Because right. sometimes earrings are hard to see in photography when yes. you do fashion shots. Yeah. Uh, whereas for photographer, it's an interesting, they are, they are fun to, to photograph. Okay. Um, and, and with that, because we had to, he was coming a few days in New York during fashion week. So we had to quickly put this campaign together um, and what we decided to do um, is because Rova, it is our story. You know, it was our story. It's a story of real women mm-hmm. uh, um, handling all those different things, having different hats and trying to manage it all. It is not a story about model perfection or all of that. Um, and we wanted our story, we wanted the earrings to be photographed on real women um, that wear many titles. Some are mother, entrepreneur, wife, philanthropist, businesswoman, and to really photograph them in their real environment. So wearing their own mm-hmm. signature look. So we told them, we, we want you to wear your favorite looks. Uh, so we didn't dress them. We wanted them to feel, you know, what, what they truly are and the way they feel confident and what represents their personality. Um, so we had no makeup artists. They, if they usually wear makeup every day, they did. If it's someone who doesn't, they didn't wear any, but they did their own makeup the way they, they do it every day. Mm-hmm. And we just shot their campaign in a, either in an environment that represented them, so their home, their office, in the street, in the neighborhood they live, or even did the big contrast. You know, one of the women we photographed is a close friend, and her thing, she is during the day in her workout clothes, but what she loves are evening gowns. She gets crazy for evening gowns. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, we have to photograph her because she her aura is in evening gown um but then our photographer was like oh you know but it's so complicated to photograph at night the light is not as good etc so uh he had the idea for the light of really creating a contrast and so we shot her in this incredibly in this incredible couture gown in the subway um so it was really this contrast of and and the whole shot was very very fun going down and the light when you see that 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 image it's on our website mm-hmm. um, in the part about the campaign you will see the contrast of the light and the aura her smile she she is herself she had done her hair with a pin her own makeup and it's just like a fabulous a fabulous shot um, and this is very much the the story of Gova. Um, Lova is not only for confident, strong women, extra, it's for every woman mm-hmm. um, and, and enabling them to have, you know, this special object that makes them feel happy, beautiful, and that hopefully they can keep for years um, and, and get a, a good use uh, out of them and update many looks. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. So dreamy. So dreamy. All right. So what's next for you and the brand? So um, 
you know, Zova by, by VL mission has been really to, as I just mentioned, to enable women to feel beautiful um, and, you know, maximize their confidence and aura. With that, as we mentioned, you know, the different challenges, all different hats that the woman has to, yes. to have, um, Zova will continue to introduce pieces with the same mission, mm-hmm. um, boost confidence for women who want it all, and the, the ambition is to roll out products in different areas, first fashion, and then potentially in beauty, home, lifestyle, um, you know, special recipe, how to host a dinner um, very quickly when you're working, the best recipes that are tried and true that we tested for you. So a lot of that evolution going with the same idea of what was, you know, some of the struggles that you have as a woman when you're trying to handle it all and bring it all out for you at your fingertips. Wow, that sounds fabulous. I know. Keep us posted on that. Exactly. And so, you know, you're going to you're going to smile, but developing that is quite complex. And and one of the questions, you know, I, I'm working on having different meetings and and someone told me, how are you going to do that? And so this right. is the question, you know, where I started, that I started at the beginning. So when you ask yourself that question, and it is hard, but this is when it becomes exciting again, because you, you're going to meet with every single person that you can think of that is linked to that. And when you have that entrepreneurship moment, people help you. I'm going to say, oh, you should speak to that person, to that. And it is in this process that you find your solution. Mm-hmm. 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 That's really good <laughs> advice. And Vanessa, very, very wise. Where can people find you and Lova? Um, so easily on our website, lovabyvl.com. Mm-hmm. We ship in all the US and worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything comes, you know, as I mentioned, packaged, uh, ready to be offered as a gift or for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are in all the love check fancy stores um, in the US. So in New York, in the Hamptons, in Palm Beach, in LA. Which store is that? Love check fancy. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, we went to see your earrings at the new <laughs> yes. store on Madison. Yes. How did and they, they like love the store? you there? They love you. It's oh, beautiful. Store. I love them. I love them. I think, you no, know, it's for me and that. Um, they are really one unique retail experience. You enter in this mm-hmm. fantasy boudoir. Um, and right. it, it's just like one of the brands where I feel, you know, you're excited to go and buy it in the store instead right. of buying it online. Right. Because their, their store is such an incredible experience. Absolutely. And we are uh, rolling out um, a few uh, key uh, uh, points of sale online. Um, and also different stores uh, in April. I cannot mention them right now, but this is coming along uh, shortly. Yay! Oh my goodness. (laughs) And Vanessa was so kind that if you use code THESTYLE15, T-H-E-S-T-Y-L-E-15, all one word, on Lova's website, you'll get 15% off. That is fabulous. Thank you so much for doing that, Vanessa. Oh, thank you to you for loving Lova. 
um, and uh, yeah. and discovering the story behind the, the brand. Yes, we love the story and love you and love the earrings. It's all wonderful. Thank you very much to both of you. Oh, thank you, Vanessa. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Finds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.